Thank you, Mom, for teaching me religion. When I stained my new shirt, you instructed me, you better pray that stain comes out. (laughs) Thank you, Mommy, for teaching me logic. From your decisive words, you said, because I said so, that's why. Thank you, Mommy, for teaching me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you get into an accident. (laughs) Thank you, Mommy, for teaching me irony. Keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) Thank you, Mommy, for teaching me communication skills. Don't just stand there, say something. Thank you, Mommy, for teaching me health. Go ahead, keep making that face and see if you won't stay like that. (laughs) Thank you, Mommy, for teaching me about the economy. What do you think, money grows on trees? (laughs) Thank you, Mommy, for teaching me empathy. You better eat all that food. Don't you know that there's starving kids in the world? And lastly, thank you, Mommy, for teaching me justice. You just wait till you have your own kids. They're going to come out just like you. I want to thank my mom for pouring her heart and soul into my family. I remember, I want to give props to my grandmother too, because my grandma, I remember my earliest recollections of my grandmother was when I was three or four years old. She would take me in her lap and just, we had a rocking chair. My grandma used to live with us and she used to just rock me and lay hands on me and pray for me. And just ask God to lead me as I grew up. And I believe it was the prayers of my grandmother who then led me years later to the Lord. It was the prayers of this woman who laid hands on me and said, I separate this young child for God's purposes. And I stand here today because of her. So thank you. So we take this day to pause and to thank moms, and I'd like to extend that further. I'd like to uh, bring attention to women in general, right? Not just moms, but women, right? Because women are valuable to us, right? In fact, the message title for today is More Than Rubies, More Than Rubies. There's a popular passage in the Bible that speaks about honoring women, And that passage is known as Proverbs 31. How many of you have heard of it? It's the Proverbs 31 woman. You've heard it in different uh, venues, in different uh, contexts. Um, It has, this verse has been used to remind us about the honoring of a woman and how in honoring her, we make her worth more than rubies. It says in, in the scripture that she's worth more than rubies. 
But before I continue, I'd like to define what honor is. Um, the Hebrew word for honor is kabod. Say kabod. Kabod. Kabod in the uh, evangelical dictionary of biblical theology, kabod means to add weight to, to literally add weight to, to give weight to somebody. So if I were to give you an illustration of what that is, just imagine if you had a scale that was balanced, right? So that no, no one side was heavier than the other. It was just balanced. But kabod means that you're adding weight to one side and it makes it heavier, right? Not in a bad way, but in a good way. So Today, we're kaboting our women. We're adding weight to them. We're adding attention to them. And so that's not a bad thing because what we're acknowledging is their worth, which is my first point out of uh, Proverbs 31. My first point today is that we honor women for their worth. I do want to mention this caveat before I go to my point. Is it that some Relationships. Some of the women here have had strained relationships with their moms. It might be current. It might be past. It might be present. But that doesn't disqualify you from trying to reach this, this, uh, this plateau of being an, an honorable woman yourself. Just because your relationship is strained with your mother... Right? You might be walking with the Lord and she may not or, or there might be some emotional stress between you and your mom. Whatever that situation is, just know that that doesn't disqualify you from being a Proverbs 31 mom. Okay? And for you men that are here, because there are men in the house as well, I want you to understand that honoring a woman is not, shouldn't be something that's an afterthought. We tend to take their role for granted, do we not? I know I do. I take the role of my wife and the women around me for granted. And for that, I apologize. And so for all the men that are here, let us take a moment in this time to know that this is why we're doing it. We're bringing honor to the women in our lives. Amen? And I understand that the, a passage like Proverbs 31 can be intimidating for someone who feels like they can't live up to that standard, right? Some of you women that have read Proverbs 31 say, I can't be that, that woman. Well, let, let me, let me uh, help you understand the context of that scripture a little bit, right? Scholars have speculated that this may not be an actual woman, like the, the description that's there is not an actual person, but an amalgamation of traits that exemplify a wise woman, right? So a wise woman is often, often personified, or wisdom is often personified as a, as, a, as a woman. And so wisdom now is personified as a woman, and this woman who deserves honor is, has all these traits. So when we say, I have my wife, I believe, is, is a Proverbs 31 woman, it doesn't mean that she exemplifies all of those traits in, one, in, in her body. It means that she strives to become that. She aims to become that. This is her goal to become that. And it's her measuring rod to, to live her life according to what exemplifies a wise woman. Does that help you understand what that means? 
Some of the background of Proverbs 31 is this. It's an acrostic, right? In, in poetry, there is something called acrostic poetry. And an acrostic, it's basically taking each of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and writing a, a, a verse according to each letter, right? We all know what an acrostic is, right? We've seen them. Right? You take a letter, you take somebody's name, or you take a word, and you add a, a statement to each of those letters. That, and then that word means something else. So it might be, in, in our church, we have our vision that's called impact, and the I stands for something, the M stands for something. And so that's an acrostic. Well, this proverb is in an acrostic form. Okay? The original audience of this poem was young men. It wasn't even to women. It was to young men. Why? So that they could teach the young men of what to look for in a spouse. So the women were out there who were displaying these traits, and they were telling young men, don't just go for the looks. Don't just go for what the outward appearance is. Go for what their character displays. And so this was a... The original intent of this poem was to train young men and encourage them to strive for this caliber of women. In Jewish custom, the men, these young men, would memorize the poem and sing it like an ode to the women in their lives, their sisters, their mothers, their, their, their grandmothers. They would sing this like a poem to honor their, their, their moms. But rather than look at this as a prescriptive play-by-play -play of how to be an effective woman for you ladies, let's highlight some principles that any person can glean from, any one of us, whether you're male or female, we can glean from this. So how can we honor women in our lives? That's the question I'm going to answer today. I'm going to give you four ways that you can answer that, que answer that question. How do we honor women in our lives? The first one is to honor women for their worth. Honor women for their worth. In Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 12, it says this, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. There's the title of my message. Far more than rubies, more than rubies. You are more than rubies. Her husband is full of confidence in her. In her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. The first verse of this portion of scripture can be translated as also the, a woman of valor. A woman of valor. We honor women for their valor. Valor is less about what you do than about what you do, how you do it. So it's less about what you do, but more about how you do it. Okay? So don't diminish what you're doing. Know that God and we men are looking at how you do it. So it raises the mundane to a miracle. Right? It raises what is ordinary to extraordinary. So what do I mean by that? When my wife cooks dinner, now it's no longer just cooking dinner. It's a gift. 
Do you see what I'm saying? So it raises the mundane. What, what is usually mundane now is raised up because they're displaying valor. The worth is not found in your outward qualities. We live in a society today where women's worth is in her aesthetic beauty. How many of you would, would agree with that? Culture pushes that, that women should look a certain way, that they should dress a certain way, that they should wear certain things. But I would venture to say that it's more important to see what their character displays. I've seen some really incredibly beautiful women that are really rotten inside. And it, they're no longer beautiful anymore because what, what's inside is just nasty and ugly. I'd rather have a woman who's displaying the character of a woman of virtue. And maybe she's not as beautiful as you would think, but I guarantee you more people would be attracted to her. See, because beauty is fleeting. It's easy, as, it's easy for us to fall into the trap that our worth comes from how others feel about us. Is it not? And social media is pervasive in that matter. Social media projects that. For all the benefits of social media, there is a downside. There is a shadow. There is a dark side. And the dark side is that we tend to start to judge ourselves against others more prevalently because of social media. In fact, recently, as this past week, you may have heard and you may have caught wind of it. How many of you know Aisha Curry? Steph Curry's, the NBA star's wife. She was at a Red Table Talk show with Jada Pinkett Smith, which is Will Smith, the actor's wife. She's also an actor. She had this Round Table Talk show, and Aisha uh, uh, Curry was there. And they're sitting there and they're discussing. And she very candidly and openly and transparently shares her, her insecurity, if, you if, if I may say. Her insecurity about her position as being the wife of Steph Curry, this basketball player. Right? And she goes on to say that over the last 10 years of him playing basketball, she's noticed an immense amount of women throwing themselves at her husband, right? And she became insecure, not because she was afraid that her husband was going to cheat on her, but because she wasn't garnering the same attention. So her feeling and her emotion was, am I good enough? Am I worth Where's my worth? Where's my, where's my attention? If, if, if only I could be recognized like that, right? And let me tell you, social media lit up like a firefly because of her words, both berating her and trying to encourage her at the same time. So Jada Pinkett Smith also tried to encourage her. Right? By calling her beautiful, that she is beautiful, that she doesn't need the attention of others. But let, let me tell you, and uh, the Currys, he and his wife, Stephen Curry and Aisha, are both devout Christians. 
They're very open about their faith. So this moment was a moment where she just opened up publicly about some of her insecurities. Was it the right thing to do? Was it the right setting? I will not say. I'm not going to judge her on that, on that. But if I had a moment to speak to her face to face as a pastor, what would I say to her? What would I respond to her? I would tell her this. I said, Aisha, I understand how it would make you feel good to get the acknowledgement of others. But even better than the acknowledgement of others is to understand what God thinks of you. The identity that God has for you. And if you center yourself in God's identity, all the other things will pale in comparison. And let me tell you something about people that are giving you accolades. Soon those accolades will go away. The same people that love you today are going to hate you tomorrow. And so God is the one that is always going to love you, is always going to care for you, and is always going to be there. So if you're going to put your trust in anything, don't put your trust in what people think of you. Put your trust in the Lord. Amen. I do appreciate her honesty, though. And because of that, male and females can fall into a trap of thinking whether I still got it. You ever been there? I know as I'm getting older, you, know, you start putting on clothes and you just go, do I st still fit in this? I don't know. It's 20 years too late. <laughs> God honors women for their worth. What our maker says about us. So let what continues to exude from us be the content of our character. Let your maker be your mirror. Let your maker be your mirror. When you look at your maker, let it reflect back on who you are. Let what God says about you be what you shape your life around. Don't shape your life around what people think today because I guarantee you it'll change tomorrow. The second thing that we can honor women for is we honor their work. In Proverbs 31, 13 through 17, it says this, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. And out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. In essence, this portion of the poem is honoring women for, the, for their work ethic. And let me tell you, there's two different classes that I can see of women. Women who work and build a home that are working and build, are building homes and women that stay at home. And I want to honor both of you, right? Just because you're staying at home doesn't mean that you're less of a woman. In fact, in a recent survey... At, by at, by salary.com said this. They found this from moms who stay at home and take on a bunch of hybrid roles, 
right? So a stay-at-home mom takes on a bunch of hybrid roles. And these hybrid roles are of educator, housekeeper, facilities director, interior designer, tax accountant, and staff nurse or doctor, right? Pharmacist, the list goes on. If I need medicine, who do I go to? Mom. She knows this stuff. She's the dry cleaner. She's everything. Right? And what was estimated, if, if a woman got paid, as a stay-at-home mom got paid for all those roles, she would be worth $162,581. So what you have at home is a six-figure woman. So don't despise the work that goes on in, in, in your home. In fact, how many of you know uh, Chip and jo Joanna Gaines? They have this show on, on HGTV called Fixer Upper. Uh, Joanna Gaines is the mastermind behind Magnolia Market. It's a home decor store and uh, DIY uh, shop for, in Waco, Texas. And they also have a TV show which kind of blew up. Before all of this happened, though, before they blew up and became as big as they are publicly, she, she and her husband had a small business. His business was doing home renovations and remodeling. And she had this small idea for a home decor store, right? And this is just as they got married and her family was starting. And she felt the Lord calling her to leave Magnolia Market to raise her family. But in the process, she felt that she was killing a dream, that this dream of starting this business was going to die because she was moving on to raise her family. And this is what she said. I remember the last day, you know, when we were closing the shop down. And I'm crying because it's the end of a dream. And I feel like I hear, I feel God saying to me very clearly, Joanna, if you trust me with your dreams, I'm going to make Magnolia further than you could have ever dreamed. So just trust me, she heard. I remember hearing that feeling and, complete, and feeling complete peace about it and walked away. She walked away from what she was dreaming about. She goes on to add, God taught me to study the word and believe it. Even though it hadn't been fulfilled yet, a few years later, the phone rang and a production company heard about my husband's home renovation business and her design experience and the rest was history. So what God took, he says, if you put the attention where I want you to put the attention right now, I am going to make sure that your dream never dies. And that's the case with each one of us. If you put your attention where God wants your attention to be right now, whatever situation that you're in, if you put your attention on God and say, God, I'm going to lay aside what I desire, what I think of is best for me right now, and I'm going to focus on you, I guarantee you God will not let you down. God will not let you down. Why? Because God is not a debtor to no man. He's not a debtor to no man. You may feel like this season of your life 
is, is a time where you're going to have to overlook some of the things that you're doing or that you're sacrificing for you moms, that are sacrificing career for your family. There's no sacri greater sacrifice that you can make than shaping history that God has put in your hands. So your work is valuable. You are worthy, you're, you're worth much, and your work we honor you for. The last, the next point that I want to honor women for is to honor them for their walk. In Proverbs 31, verses 20 and 25, verses 20 says this, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. And then verse 25 says this, she is clothed with strength and dignity and she can laugh at the days that come. A godly woman is honored for her actions. She is described as a person of faith in action. So when we look at a Proverbs 31 woman, what she's portraying or what is strived for is a woman that considers the disenfranchised. One that is not thinking of their own needs, but is thinking of the needs of others. She is generous with the means to lift others up. There is a sense that it is not about self-gratification and meeting her own greeds, but about simply adding encouragement and sometimes material gain for others. I want to honor my own wife right now. Because my wife, sitting right here in the front, years ago, in 1998, she decided to leave her career as a graphic designer to raise our family. And not only raise our family, she homeschooled. She took the educational aspect of our children by the horns, and she raised our kids in, in the educational field. So not only was she a mom, she did all these things that you all moms do, but she was their teacher. And so many days she felt discouraged, not good enough, not worthy enough, right? And I saw something in my wife, and I said, as the years started to progress, I said, honey, let's not lose who you are in just raising kids. Because as a sidebar, let me give you a sidebar, ladies. Your identity is not your kids. Are you hearing me? Because when your kids leave, guess what leaves with it? Your identity. So you don't want your identity to, it's, it's part of who you are. Don't get me wrong. Raising kids is part of who you are, but that's not what, the only thing that God made you to do. And so my wife, just last year, God put it in her heart to start a nonprofit. To do what? To reach the disenfranchised. It's called Eye Care Kits. You might have seen it. You might have heard about it. Some of you have donated to it. And it's basically creating care packages for people and people groups to encourage them. So, for instance, the Abigail House, our home for battered women, this past year, and she's finishing up the entire year, of providing a, 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 a customized birthday party for each of the children in this battered home. So this past year, my wife gathered gifts from donations and had uh, um, 
birthday cakes that were, that were personalized, created, and cooked by one of our members here at our church. And she provided all the trimmings, all the silverware, all the balloons, everything. And she just dropped it at their door and said, this is so that your child will feel special. And she did it with no expectation of return, no payment in return. She was doing it because her heart was to, for the disenfranchised. I think my wife is a Proverbs 31 woman. So not only does a Proverbs 31 woman consider the disenfranchised, she is not anxious of the future. We read in the verse, it says she is clothed with strength and dignity and she can laugh at the days that come, right? Meaning that she's not worried about tomorrow. Why? Because her, her faith and her trust is in God. And it doesn't matter what tomorrow holds. Yet last night coming, uh, I preached at the, at the East Campus, driving home, my, my timing belt broke. And I had to pull off on 280. Now, this is raining out. I'm coming from preaching. And you could think that I'm raising my fist to God. Because God, I just preached your word. Why did you let my timing belt break? It didn't matter to me. I said, God, it's just a car. I'm glad that I'm safe. And my wife, when I called my wife, said, honey, I'm dropping it off at the mechanic. Can you come pick me up? And she goes, God's, God's got something in store for us, honey. That was her response. My wife was a strength to me even when the situation could have been discouraging. And so when we think about our wives and our, uh, the women in our lives, let's honor them because what they bring are things that sometimes don't come natural to us. Amen? In 1975, more than half the mothers stayed at home with their kids. More than half. Today, both parents work in 70% of the families. So both parents are working. So from 1975 to now, 70% of the families have two parents that are working. You don't think that's creating a little stress in the family? I think that creates anxiety and fear and, anxio and anxiousness. Child care costs went up from $12,350 to $1,390 in one year. In one year. Childcare costs. You think that causes a little stress and anxiety? I think so. Mom spent in 2016 14 hours more outside of work hours to care for their children and up to 10 hours a week in than in 1965, which they only did 10 hours a week. So above and beyond your work week, you're adding this extra 14 hours. You think that creates stress? I think it does. And social media doesn't help it at all. The media doesn't help it at all. Yet there's something to be said that when we know whatever comes our way, God is faithful to be there. Now, I'm not disparaging working professional women. I think it's a blessing that you do, that you have careers, that God uses you in that capacity. In fact, I'm all for equal pay for women, for the jobs that they do. You could clap, women. Some of the roles, some of the roles that you take on deserve more pay. And so when it comes to 
honoring women, that's one of the areas where we as a society have fallen short. Right? But one of the other areas, the final area that we honor women in is in their wisdom. So we honor women for their worth. We honor women for their work. We honor women for their walk. And we honor women for their wisdom. Proverbs 31, 26 and 26 says this. She speaks wisdom. She speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. The wisdom that flows come from the love and correction of a woman, and we all need that. Though this proverb is penned by King Lemuel, if you look at the proverb, the beginning of the proverb, it says a, 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 a proverb written by King Lemuel. But it goes on to say that it was words from his mother. So he wasn't coming up with this on his own. He was repeating something that his mother taught him about what to look for in keeping his life pure and looking for a, a potential spouse. So his mom was the one that was providing that wisdom, right? So King Lemuel was reiterating something that was passed down to him from his own mother. Isn't that powerful? Interestingly enough, Proverbs ends the way it began. The first proverb in the book of Proverbs, in, in Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the end of the book, Proverbs 31, is doing what? Speaking about wisdom and the value of wisdom. And it's personified wisdom is as a woman. So we men, when we're chasing wisdom, God is equating it to you chasing after that woman that you're attracted to. How many of you have chased a woman that you are attracted to, you men? Right? You almost do anything to be, to be present when they're there. When they, when they go to class, you're at, the, you're at the front of the class. When they're at the lunch table, you're at the lunch table right there. You're, you're all over the place. Why? Because you're chasing it. God is saying chase wisdom the same way. Chase after wisdom the same way. And wisdom comes in different forms. And I close with this story. Dr. Vince Vitale, he's the director of uh, RZIM, uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, shares this story about his mom. When he was about six or seven, he was playing in the front yard football. He was playing a game of football with his, with his friends. And his friends in the neighborhood were a little bit older. So he was about six or seven. And his friends were about 10, right? How many of you, there's a big age gap between the six-year-old and the 10-year-old, right, size-wise, right? So he's getting knocked around pretty good in this football game, right? And can't keep up. He's not fast enough. He's not strong enough. And so he comes over with his head down with his gear holding his football helmet. And he comes to his mom who's working in the front yard on the garden. And he says, Mom, I'm just not strong enough. I'm just not strong enough. And his mom comes over to him, leans down, puts her hands on her knees and says, honey, punch me in the nose. And he says, no, mommy, I'm not going to punch you in the nose. And this went on for a little bit. He said, no, honey, punch me in the nose. It got to the point where she was a little bit frustrated. And she said, honey, punch me in the nose. And he clenched his fist 
and gave her a straight right and punched her right in the nose. She jostled back and she came back and blood started to run down her face. And she smiles at him through the blood. And she said, don't ever say that you're not strong enough. Now go get back in that game. Years later, Vince Vitale, Dr. Vince Vitale, notes that experience that his mom had as the pivotal point that gave him the understanding of the sacrifice that Jesus made for him. See, Jesus was the one that was bruised for our transgression. He, this is Isaiah 55, verse 3, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, you moms are saying, I'm never going to let my son punch me in the nose. But I use this to illustrate that here's this mom that used this moment to say, I'm going to teach my son about the sacrifice of love so that he would never feel that he's less than. And God today is saying, you are not less than. You are worth more than rubies. Amen. 